Good morning. Uh, week two of Chains, if you missed last week, uh, we talked about the fear of man being bigger than the fear of God and that um, how often we, we focus all of our attention on, on worrying about what people think about us rather than what God thinks about us. Today's going to be a little bit different, but it's, it's along the same lines because it's, um, it's still the same letter and we're in the book of Galatians. If you missed the first week, we're in the book of Galatians, and today we're moving to chapter 5. And so um, I want y'all to flip there in just a minute. But um, before we do, I, I want to tell you um, a couple stories. The, the first one is um, every person in here, okay, no matter like where, what your situation is or where you are, um, we're all kind of in the same boat, and, and, and this is why. Life, life is like... Um, <laughs> Unless you're just lucky, okay? I don't care if you're in school or what's going on. Like, it, it, it just seems like there's always a thousand plates that we're trying to spin, right? There's always a hundred things going on, and we got to find enough time to take the kids to so-and-so and to do this and to do this and to do this and to do this and to do this. And then Jesus, like, is a part of my life. If you're a Christian, if you're not in here, just bear with me. But if, if you're a person that calls yourself a Christian, Jesus is a part of our life, and so he gets one of the plates, right? And so I'll spend a little bit of time with Jesus, and that's cool. And He can be part of it, and you're welcome. Like, I even might pray every single day. That's awesome. But we're trying to juggle so many things. Like, next week I'm going to deal specifically, I'm going to call the message Breaking Bad, because I'm specifically going to, and that's a good show, by the way, but I'm specifically going to um, talk about how we deal with specific sins. Today's not that. Today are the hindrances in our lives that become chains. And there's all kinds of different things that takes place. But it seems like for me, it's the things that I'm trying to juggle to make sure I have everything taken care of. And so what I do is I give Jesus just a little bit and I say, you're welcome. Here's just a little bit of time. Here's just a little bit of time. Like I, might, I might sprinkle a prayer over, God, help me have a good day and amen. And then right before bed, I'll pray with my kids. But throughout the day, I don't have time to look at Jesus. I want y'all to understand, I'm, I'm not going to take your plates away today. I wish I could, because I'd take them all away. Life is still going to be crazy. It's still going to be hectic. But we don't, have to be weighed, we don't have to be weighted down so much with the stuff in our lives that we can't focus on Jesus and therefore be free. Because like, this, is, this is the mistake that everybody makes. I've got to get something out of my life, and I don't have time for church. I don't have time for all this other stuff, so I'm just going to back away. I'm just going to get rid of Jesus. That is what Satan wants as much as anything. And listen, it doesn't take sins. Specifically today, I'm going to show you that it's not always sin that keeps you from what God wants you to do. And a lot of times, these are wrapped around us. Like if we could see ourselves in the spiritual dimension, we would see chains and things tangled up in us and clinging to us. And it wouldn't necessarily be these awful sins. It will be the stuff that clings to us because we don't have time for Jesus. I want, you, I want to give you all the invitation right now, and then I'll come back to it in a second. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. One of my favorite passages, two scriptures. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off what entangles us in the sin that so easily gets all over us, and let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. The way that we have freedom and liberty, which is why Jesus came, by the way. Jesus didn't just come to die on the cross. That is certainly what he accomplished in death. 
by dying for us so that we can have life. But Jesus came so that we could have life and more abundant. That's what John 10, 10 says. He came for us to have freedom and break the chains. And sometimes my chains are my circumstances and the things going in. The way that I fix those circumstances is fixing my eyes on Jesus all the time. And not just when I need a Savior to come to my rescue, but, but in the good times and in the bad times and in the middle of all the just anything. Not trying to fix my problems myself, but letting Him be the solution all the time. And, and, and there goes my problem, right? Is I always have the solution, but I'll still sprinkle Jesus a little bit over Him and then put an awesome verse on social media, because that's what I do, right? Because it's awesome. I look spiritual and everybody thinks I'm awesome, but I'm still trying to fix the problem. And I'm enchained in myself. And, and we've got to get rid of the stuff that clings to us. So that we can be free in Christ. Alright? So, so I got an example of, of stuff clinging to you. I'm going to apologize ahead of time because some of y'all going to be freaked out. There's about three of you that won't come back. But I love you and the love of the Lord if you don't come back because of this illustration. Jesus saves. Alright, how many of y'all have been to a swim meet? Or, better than that, you are a male and you were on a swim team. Raise your hand. Swim team. Holy crap, I'm the only one? This is even more awkward. Because I would imagine I'm the only one that ever had to wear this, but I'll get there in a second. All right, so y'all know where I'm going. Uh, when I was in the eighth grade, I played basketball, and that was my favorite sport growing up. Tron and I were on the same team, and we hooped all the time, and I was pretty good, actually. I could jump well and stuff, and that's what I did. But in the offseason, uh, my mom <laughs> signed me up for swimming. And I was a really good swimmer, by the way. I was a good swimmer. And... I have size 14 shoes, so if y'all have ever been snorkeling and stuff, y'all got to put the flippers on, and I got built-in flippers. It's awesome. So I just paddle through the water, and I got big hands and long arms, so I can just, I'm fast. I'm a, I was a good swimmer. And so we, we joined this team called Spart Aquatics. We, we're at the Spartanburg YMCA, and, um, and I was pretty good. I mean, I could race pretty fast. But uh, like at practice, like today, Y'all have seen Michael Phelps because once every four years, y'all are like me and we watch swimming. Until then, I ain't watching swimming because it's boring. But they have the new Speedos that are like long. Y'all seen them, right? They, they cover your junk. But, but when I was on the swim team, I wore the Speedo. And, and so I would walk out. <laughs> yep. I would walk out of the locker room. And I'm not, first of all, this is free, okay? Don't wear, like, don't ever wear that. Like, if you're the dude at the beach that has the, I call it banana hammock, so forgive me if that offends you, but if you got that dude on and I'm having to look at your junk, I don't want to see your junk. And listen, no one thinks that's attractive. I'm just, this is, this is, you're welcome. If you're the seven-year-old dude that's by himself and no one's around you, that's why no one's around you. You're creepy. Please don't ever wear that again. Uh, it's the dude, like, this is, y'all know, y'all have been there, it's like, what? Like, I'm not going to stare at you if you're at the beach, but I will stare at you if you have on that. So I walk out of the locker room swimming, and I'm like, y'all know what I'm talking about. If you're a dude, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm covering up. I was can we just freaking get in the water? This is so awkward. And there's, there's girls everywhere, and there's dudes. And I'm just looking, going, you know what, you have to wear this. So I went to the coach, all right? And I was like, I want to wear swimming trunks and look like a male. This is ridiculous. Please let me wear something that doesn't make me look like this. Why do I have to do this? And I said, well, next thing you have to do is shave your legs. And I was like, what? It was bad enough to have to wear this dude. And now, talking about shaving my legs. Why? Shave your arms, shave your legs. We think you can be really good. You need to shave everything. 
like arms and legs and then wear the thing on your head or shave your head. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Why do I have to do this? Because you have to get everything that hinders you from having the fastest speed you possibly can off your body. And that's the best way you can do it. I, I, by the way, I did say, can we not make them long, though? Like, we can make them tight, but can we not make them long? I'm like, no, they don't exist. Now they exist. So I, I might not have quit swimming, but I did. I, could, I was like, look, I'm not, we ain't doing this anymore. So by the way, I, I looked for my Speedos because I thought I might have saved them because they were like blue and black with the like leopard thing, which made it even worse because it could have been just solid color. But I looked for them. I couldn't find them. Obviously, they wouldn't fit now because I was in the eighth grade, but I just wanted to hold them up and say, this really did happen. Praise the Lord. But the reason that I wore them, the reason that they on swim teams wear them now, the longer ones, and the reason that they shave their legs and their arms is they can't have anything that will take tenths of a second off because they want to win. And like this much is the difference between someone that's my size and, and my ability to swim. It can be that much. One tenth of a second. If I wore swimming trunks, it would have been drag. It would have been what pulled me back and I would not have won. Listen, every one of us in here, we don't have on swim trunks. We have on jeans that have rocks in them and weights that are holding us down and big hooded sweatshirts on and all these things that are weighing us down and they are chains that are causing us not to have freedom. And this morning, what I want to give you is the reason that Jesus came to this earth and that is so that all of us could be free from the circumstances and from the stuff that we have and be alive in Christ and be alive in Christ. Can we pray? God, this morning, in the next couple minutes, show us what we have that, are, that is hindering us and holding us back and make us free. God, we're so excited about what you're doing in our church, but now, God, what I pray is that it's not about this church, but it's about us as individuals that we look and say, am I chained up? Am I, am I, do I have all these baggy clothes on where I need to be free? Is there stuff tangling me up? Help me be completely free with you. And God, I, I pray that there's so many people that walk out of here free that we can't help but tell the world what Jesus has done for us. Show us today. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right, two things. Two things I want to give you this morning. The first one is Jesus came to free us from our chains. Like the, again, the purpose was not just to die on the cross so that we didn't go to hell. And obviously that's awesome, by the way. I, none of us want that. And that is a benefit of salvation. When we trust Christ as Savior, our penalty is hell because of the sin that we've had. But, but He also gives us freedom in Christ. And, it, and it, I, I've heard people say oftentimes, I feel bad for saved people because like, they don't get to do what, what we get to do. And no, no, this is who I feel bad for. I feel bad for lost people or people that are enchained because they don't have the freedom, the completeness, the wholeness that you can have when you look at Jesus. That doesn't mean that you don't go through difficult times. It means that you have, that you have peace and wholeness in Jesus. And this is what he said. By the way, every one of us in this room, I preached a message a couple months ago on, on slavery and bondage. Every one of us in this room, spiritually speaking, are enslaved, but it's not always sin that causes slavery to happen in our lives. And the only way to fix that is how we'll close Hebrews 12, by fixing our eyes on Jesus. But listen to, what, listen to what Paul said as he was talking. And if you missed last week, let me just, real quick. Paul had gone to Galatia, which is a city in Turkey, to present-day Turkey. 
and a lot of people had gotten saved. The church was brand new. He was really excited. He went back one year later, and he saw a bunch of craziness going on, and they had turned from what they believed. And then they started believing all kinds of crazy stuff. And listen, it is the picture of the church today. It is the picture of the individual Christian today in this country. And that's why it's so fitting. That's why we're not free. And that's why I think this is the perfect message for us today. So starting in verse 1 in Galatians 5, chapter 5, he says, Listen, for freedom, Christ has set us free from this bondage that we have. Christ has set us free. That's why he came, for freedom. Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery, because all of us, all of us, were there or are there presently. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, who you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Listen to this right here. This is huge. This is what he's saying. And this is me, by the way. Like my, this, is, this, this summarizes my childhood, in my opinion. Like what he's saying is uh, circumcision was, was what had to happen to be part of the Jewish faith. Like on the eighth day, Jewish males would be circumcised, and, and it's what set them apart. It's what made them holy. It's what made them God's chosen people. And, and like this is the closest thing that I have to that because I'm set apart and I'm, and I'm, and I'm Leah's. Like this is my bond with her. And, it, and it's like seriously the picture of what the Israelites had with, with God. It is like the bond I have. And so the, the way that they were justified is by doing good things and by making sacrifices, and their righteousness happened through following God's law. Like they had to be good enough. I think it's human nature, but it may be Mark. It may just be I was worse about it. But I was convinced as a teenager that if I did good enough things that God would like me, and if I didn't do good enough things that God would hate me, and that certain people weren't ever going to be good enough for God. And that is false gospel. That is, by the way, that's exactly what the people in Galatia were believing. That you have to do good enough things to make God like you. This is what Paul's saying right here, by the way. Guess what? If you, if you decide to go down this route and not trust Jesus and not fix your eyes on Him and not let Him be your completion and not let Him take all the plates away, this, this is the good news. You have to be perfect because that is the only hope. If you break one law... Your hope is gone. And all of us, we know this. I mean, this isn't, this isn't like a, a mad scientist coming up with a new puzzle. This is, this is obvious. All of us have, have broken God's law. All of us have sinned. All of us have screwed up. By the way, I'm the biggest one, but we're all screw-ups. We've all messed up. And so if we put our faith in us and what we do, and we put our faith in, faith in what we do to get rid of all the stuff that hinders us and entangles us, we have no hope. And therefore, the freedom that we should have becomes chains because it becomes the chains of what I do. And I look at other people and I don't look at them with love, I look at them with judgment. And I think they're not good enough. Guess what? No matter what anyone has done, they're just as filthy in the sight of God as I am and just as clean if they trust Christ as Savior. There's not one person that is outside of the love and grace of Jesus Christ. That's why we want to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely. Because so many people turn their nose to them. We love all people. We wouldn't invite anyone in this church. Anyone is welcome in this church. Because I know me well enough to know how screwed up and jacked up I am. And what my heart is if I don't give it to Jesus and my focus isn't on Him at all times. Then I am nothing more than a chained up man 
that will never be justified because I'm not good enough. I don't have to be good enough to get God's love. I simply have to put my faith in Him and trust in Him. And that's what's amazing. It's crazy because we all feel like we have to earn each other's love, but with God, we have to stop trying and just rest in Him. I love that. Because we're severed from Christ if we try to be justified by the law. Verse 5. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Like your good stuff or even your junk. It counts for nothing but only faith working through love. Only by me placing everything in Jesus. And saying, you know what, Jesus, I am a screwed up mess. Like my life is a wreck but I'm going to place everything that I am in you and let you have control of me because I've got all this junk that I'm trying to do. And it's not even sin, by the way. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I have all these sins. I'm just saying that I'm trying to make all this right. And it's chain after chain after chain after chain after chain. Pretty much it builds up to the point that I can't even see straight. And to try to make a difference in the world makes no sense at all because I can't even make a difference in my own home because I have a, such a short temper. Or I get so fed up with little things. And it's not because I don't know the truth, because I have it right here. I mean, I have a hundred verses of Scripture memorized, right? I mean, I know these things. But it's like I can't get out of my own way. What is the problem? And I have clothes on. I'm trying to swim against a current with all kinds of heavy baggage all over me. And I can't figure out what do I need to do. Jesus came so that I could be rid of these chains. This is the question, number two. Here's the deal. For every person in here, and there's not one person that can leave here and not make a choice what will be. Jesus came to get rid of my chains, but I must make the choice. Number two, I must make the choice to be free in Christ or to be chained in me. See, this is what I think Satan uses, by the way. Satan loves Mark. <laughs> because he knows that Mark is so jacked up that I'll put my faith in me. And I'll try to wrestle with all these things I have in my life. And I'll try to be good enough. And I'll do all these things enough that I don't even have to get in these big, huge sins to cause danger in my life. Because guess what happens when the things begin to hinder me? I might, I might really be trying to run from sin, by the way. That we're going to talk about next week. I, I might really be trying to run from it. Like in my heart, I might think, I do not want to look at this stuff anymore. I do not want to say these things anymore. I want to be free of these things. And, and you really mean it. And like you leave here and you're like, I'm not going to go back into this garbage. But you're still chained up with you. And you haven't given it all to Jesus. You haven't surrendered everything. And so you want your marriage to be right, but you refuse to give Jesus your marriage and you choose to fix it yourself. And so not meaning to sin, you get so overwhelmed with life and not being able to fix all your problems or the difficult circumstances in my life that the chains get so heavy that I get into a zone that is so dangerous that I will do sins in that zone that I never thought I would before. And Satan loves it. Because he didn't have to put these big sins in your life. He just had to make you wear out and not focus on Jesus. All he wants to do with our lives is just take our eyes off where it should be and focus on anything else. Even if it's good things. Right? Even if it's church. If my eyes aren't fixed on Jesus and making Him 
the one true God that I focus everything on. If I, if I focus on anything other than that, Satan loves it. Because that's all he wants is for you and your heart to be focused on anything but him at any time. And so I'll decide today when I leave here if I'll be, if I'll be freed or if I'll be chained up. But it's only through the liberty that I have in Christ that I get to choose. And it is frustrating because I kind of wish I was a robot sometimes. That I just walk out and say, I don't have a choice. I'm just going to follow Christ because that's what I want. But so often my corruption in my heart takes over. And it doesn't have to be sin. It just has to be stuff. Let's throw it off. This is what Paul said, continuing in verse 7. He says, you were running well. Who hindered you? Like, who did this to you? Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from Him who calls you. This didn't come from Jesus. I really like this verse, verse 9. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. That all, this is all that means, by the way. If, if you got bread and there's no leaven in it, it will stay flat. Y'all, when we take communion, and we're going to do it pretty soon here, and then we, we do it around Easter on the Thursday night before Easter, just like Jesus did at the Last Supper, and so we try to do it three or four times a year, but we, when we do that, we, we take unleavened bread. When, when you put leaven to it, it rises up. And it doesn't take much to make the whole thing rise up. And this is, this is what that literally is saying is, listen, and this is for everybody in here, but there's some of you that really need it, okay? Some of you guys are hanging out with people. By the way, we want to reach people that are far from God. But like, would I take haste and, like if you're a baby Christian, and you just surrendered your heart to Jesus, you're literally a baby Christian, okay? Would I take my 19-month-old son and say, I want you to make a difference so you just don't ever hang around us anymore and you hang around them at all times, and I expect you to change them and not them to change you? Because that that'd be, you'd be like, okay, that's dumb. That's not even a good illustration, but it is. Because that's what we do. We think, man, God's done a work in my life. I'm going to go make a difference to everyone. And by the way, we should. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have lost friends. We should have tons of lost friends. But the people that I spend most of my time with, if they bring me down, a little leaven leavens the whole bread. Leavens the whole loaf. Like, and, it, and it consumes me, and I begin to become like them. There's a lot of people that need to sever a lot of things in their life with the Lord's help. A lot. You put yourself in situations, and then you, you come back and you say, I can't understand why I'm doing this. Like, there's people that need to cut off their internet because they can't handle it. Say, so, well, I've got to have the internet. No, you've got to cut the leaven. And put, at least put some blocks up in your house that can, that can help you. And there's certain friends that you cannot be around without gossiping. You've got to stop talking to them. I don't care if they're your family. You've got to say, listen, until I can clean my tongue up with the Lord's help, I can't, I don't want to gossip anymore. Because a little leaven leavens the whole bread, the whole thing. And you know what? Some people that are going to say, yeah, I'm hearing what you're saying, dude, but I'm not stopping hanging out with them. That's cool. You just choose to, to be chained. And, that, and you'll look and say, Man, I can't understand why my life looks the same. Like, why is it not different? And it's because you choose chains. I choose chains. That's the thing about freedom in Christ. It is the blessing and the curse. I get to choose whether I'll be leavened or not. Now skip down to verse 13. This is the beautiful part. Paul tells these people what he tells us right here. For you, each one of us, for you, were called to, what's that word? Say it out loud. 
Say it loud. Freedom. Which is the opposite of being chained. It's liberty. It's the choice. It's that, it's that feeling that you know you have life. It's the opposite of being tied down in, in bondage. You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But use it to serve, to love. Excuse me, one more time. But through love, serve one another. We have freedom. We're not supposed to take our freedoms that we have in Christ. One, one of my biggest pet peeves, by the way, is when people start becoming spiritual and then they make everything else bad, right? So they, so they look at freedoms we have in Christ and they say, you're bad for doing that. That's what I said in the first service. I don't think it's wrong to drink. A lot of people get really upset with me that I think that you're liberal. I don't care. I don't think it's wrong. I think it's a freedom that we have. Only, only, don't use it for the wrong reason. Like if you can't handle it and you're a drunk, obviously it's a sin. If your household is in shambles because you're a drunk and you hit your kids, probably is wrong for you, right? I mean, that's obvious and people would laugh and say, duh. If it's anything, check this out. This is what I think about freedoms in Christ. Anything that I have to have in my life that is not something that I can enjoy, but it's just something that I need and I have to have other than like water and food, that's obvious. Anything that I have to have that makes me happy, and if I don't have it, I'm not happy, it's wrong. We have freedom. We can live our lives freely. We don't have to be chained down to the bondage of making sure everybody else doesn't think I'm bad, or making sure that, man, those sins, that, that so-and-so thinks that's But we don't have to worry about that stuff. We can just be free in Christ and not make everybody else stumble around us but do it in love and serving people. Is the center of my life and what controls me Christ so that when I look at every single individual from your left to your right, every person, is what I see as someone that I can love on because they're my friend. They're my brother or sister. They're a child of the Most High God. It doesn't matter what they used to do doesn't matter what they're currently doing. God made them fearfully and wonderfully, and I can love on them. They are just like me. I'm not better than them. They're just like me. We will never have that attitude, and we will always look down on people as long as we are entangled. And we will never have the feeling that we are free and the fact that we are free and alive if I am always the boss of my life. Never. So, so you say, Mark, I, the thing that I need more than anything today is just a, I need my marriage to start over. No. Thank God for your marriage. You just need to stop trying to spin all the plates yourself and let Christ help you and rest in Him. This is what Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says. Again, it's, it, of all the verses in the Bible, I love this one maybe the most. Because it is the call to action for every one of us if we want to be free. If we want to have freedom, if we want to have liberty in our lives, this is the call to action right here. Therefore, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, see this, every weight and sin. Not just every sin. All the stuff that is hindering us in our lives, everything. Let's take it off and throw it off. All those hoodies 
and all those jeans. Let's get down to the nothings. Shave our legs, right? Let's get clean so that nothing holds us back and hinders us from what we're supposed to do. How do, how do I do that, Mark? How do, how do I get rid of all this stuff that, that, do, that does hold me back? This is what Paul says. Let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus. The translation that I learned under was fixing my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith with the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he's seated on the right hand of God. Like, that is how we do it. Like, when the worst circumstances are happening, or I just want to, like, I look at my wife and I say, you've got to be kidding me, that's really what you just said to me. Or my kids are losing their freaking mind, and I'm like, what is wrong with you? Are you the only two that are mad and crazy? And everything's going on in my life, and I have to take three different people to the doctor this week, and I don't have time for it because I have four meetings, and I have this, and there's, there's this thing I've got to do, and there's all these things, and I'm juggling, juggling, juggling. At any moment did I fix my eyes on Jesus. Because at every moment I should fix my eyes on Jesus. And it's not just a look, there's Jesus, I did it for the day, that's awesome. But it is a staring motion that I never take my eyes off of Him because He is my rock. He is the reason that I cannot have the chains and the bondage in my life. Like having Him and thinking of Him. You say, what about when I'm having fun like at a ball game or something? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Nothing wrong with going to games. I'm going again soon. Friday night I'll be at a football game. But I can still have love and service in my heart if I fix my eyes on Jesus. So like, here's what I think is the problem. Put a bow on it. I think all of us would raise our hand and say, I'd love to have freedom, man. Like seriously, I'd love to have freedom. I don't, I don't need to ask you, because I don't think anyone would say, I want to be enslaved to me. I don't want to be enslaved to sin. I want to be enslaved to, to my stuff. I think every person in here would raise their hand and say, I, I want to be free. The question is, will you be free? It's not, do you want to be free? It's, will you be free? Because you will choose when you leave here to be in bondage or to be completely and totally free in Christ. But we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. And there's a group of people in here that you've never been saved. You may have said a prayer like I did when I was six years old. And like I, I said the prayer with the preacher, shook his hand, got baptized, new verses of scripture. I wasn't free any more than the man on the moon's free. Because I had never trusted Christ with my Savior, as my Savior. I'd never given him my heart and life and said, I'm in bondage and I need you to save me. Christ came embracing the cross, scorning its shame for me and you to be given the right to be called the righteousness, the child of God. I just ask you this morning, are you saved? I'm going to close a little bit different. Will you bow your heads with me? I'm, I'm asking you if you're a Christian right now. I'm asking you if you're a Christian right now to pray with me in your seat for all the people that don't know Jesus and pray that God will free you from the bondage that you have. This is free for everyone. And I want you to be honest and answer this question, Mark. Um, I am absolutely certain that I know Jesus, that He saved me. I don't want you to raise your hand to make me not embarrass you. I'm not going to. That's not the point. The point is for freedom to take place. Will you just raise your hand if, if you say, Mark, I'm absolutely certain that I'm free in Christ because I am saved. Raise it high. Raise it high. Let me see all the hands. 
If you know that you know that you know that you're saved, just be honest. I'm not going to call you out. Just be honest with me. Be honest. Keep them up. Everybody that didn't, I just want you to look here. I'm not going to call you out. I just want you to look right here at my eyes. I see a couple people looking at me. I see a couple people looking at me. You can put your hands down. If you didn't raise your hands, I just want you to look at me. Here's the question, okay? Not my goal to embarrass you. It's my goal to give you freedom. This is a gift that I can give you, but you have to accept it. You will choose right now if you walk out of here free and alive in Jesus or if you walk out of here feeling the same bondage that you have because you are in bondage. The truth of Scripture is this. The truth of Scripture is this. The wages of my sin, anything that I say, think, or do that displeases God, which I do every single minute of every single day, the, the cost of that is death and separation from God for all of eternity. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can have freedom in Christ right now. And all you have to do, all you have to do, is simply say yes to Jesus and trust Him as your Savior. Say yes to Jesus and trust Him as your Savior. I think there were four people that were looking at me. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. It's not our goal to embarrass you. No one's looking around. But if you truly want this, we got people in the back that want to talk to you right now. I just want you to stand to your feet and say, Mark, that's what I want right this second. I don't care if you walk behind the curtain. It's not like standing up makes you saved. God doesn't save hands or standing up. He saves your heart. But if you want that right now, I'm inviting you to stand up. Will anyone be the first one? Thank you, dude. Who else? Who else will stand up? Who else will stand up and say, that's what I want? Who else will do that? There were about three or four more people. We had one dude stand up that has the guts to say, I don't care what y'all think, but I just want Jesus. I want freedom in Christ. I'm going to give you two more seconds and then I'm going to be done. Anybody else want to do that? Because there's nothing more important than that in your life. Hey, listen, I want y'all to know if you're looking at me, I'm not mad at you. I'm going to pray for you. Um, that God will free you, and um, we're here for you. Honest to goodness, we are here for you. We love you. And listen, you don't have to stand up, by the way. If you just want to, as you're leaving, talk to them, it's, God, it's not magic. It is simply a fact that God saved you. So let's pray. God, we think it's so amazing that you're a God who saves and frees us from who we are. <laughs> What's so crazy, God, is we think in our hearts because we're so flawed that and if we just do enough good things that you'll save us. And the truth of the matter is, uh, you don't need us. <laughs> you don't save us because of what we do. But you're just awesome. You look at every single person. No matter how far from you they are. And you look at them with love and kindness and joy. Hoping that they'll follow you. You made us to love and follow you. And God, I just want to thank you for not giving up on me or anyone in this room or anyone out there for that matter that you love us all and you died for us so that we could throw off the things and the sin that entangles us and we can fix our eyes on you and have freedom in you Jesus Christ we love you and we thank you and we're going to finish worship today with our arms high worshiping you because we are free children